welcome, welcome to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 48 here on a drizzly Friday, August 20th. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your co-host, Mike McKenna. Well, uh, let's get right into the the issue uh, since our last podcast, and let's talk a little bit about this fiasco that's going on in Afghanistan right now, shall we? Well, I thought you wanted to talk about the fiasco that's going on at the border, but sure, what the heck? We got plenty of fiascos. Let's well, I, I was going to say it's a whole laundry list of fiascos, but I think this one is 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 got to be the lead this this week. So. Yeah, it's a it's the worst it's the worst American foreign policy disaster in at least since the Bay of Pigs, right? So sixty years. Yeah, I might want to throw in a couple of what seems to be this current president's doppelganger these days, which is Jimmy Carter. So. Yeah, man, it's uh, none of it's good. How about if we say it that way? Before we get into it, I know you wanted to say something very specific. Yeah, I did want to say something specific directed mostly at my family members who have served and are serving in that country, right? Um, you, you, you should not forget, none of you should ever forget that there are differences between what elected officials do and what the nation values, right? The, the great thing about America is the state and the people, the citizenry are two different things. And the citizens, myself included, and perhaps more than all of them, um, respect what you've done and honor it and do not want you to be discouraged because this country will not be rejuvenated, reborn and remade without the help of men like yourselves. And to my 20 year old out there, Please come home safely, right? Do what your sergeant tells you to do. Keep your eyes open. Absolutely. Amen to that. Thank you very much for, for the perspective there. Um, now, uh, let's get into a little bit of the fiasco uh, component of this. I want to read a tweet from President now, now President, then candidate Joe Biden, uh, back in July of 2019. Quote, we can protect our interests in Afghanistan, including the possibility of a terrorist threat reemerging without a large troop presence. That is what Joe Biden will do as president. And then I was going to read it, but I'll just actually go straight from the horse's mouth here and uh, uh, pull up something that President Biden said. This was back in... July 8th, July 8th of this year, okay? Is the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops at 300,000, well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. Is it, can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They, so, did, not, they didn't, did not reach that conclusion. So what is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse? The Afghan government and leadership has to come together. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. And do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling? None whatsoever. Zero. 
What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the South, the North Vietnamese army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. So the question now is, where do they go from here? That the jury is still out. The likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. <laughs> okay. Okay. Is Mike McKenna's breathless, speechless? There's, there's, there's just there's a lot of wow. stuff in there's a lot of stuff in there that isn't that isn't um that isn't right. So he he he's he's right about one thing. Let's start with that, right? He said, hey, um, you know, this is not going to be South Vietnam. We're not going to see people taken off, taken off the embassy roof by helicopters. He's correct. That did not, in fact, happen, right? So the embassy staff was whisked away to the airport before that could happen. Um, so let's give, the, let's give the man credit for, for, for you know, the, um, let's give the man credit for the right answer. The, 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 the weird stuff um, is... How many soldiers there are in the were in the Afghan army, right? There were never 300,000. Best guesstimates um, were there was maybe 175,000 at top end, right? It's kind of concerning that a person whose principal job is to be commander in chief of the armed forces isn't aware of that. The other thing that's odd is about that South Vietnamese thing, the South Vietnamese comparison. Um, six brigades breaking through the gates of the United States Embassy in South Vietnam. I'm a little concerned that a person who's been involved in the United States national security apparatus for basically his entire adult life, doesn't know how many soldiers there are in a brigade. Right? Brigade is between three and 5,000 soldiers. There wasn't 30,000 North Vietnamese soldiers busting through our embassy in South Vietnam in 1975. There, there may have been 300 or 1,500, but there weren't 30,000. So I hate to pick at nits here, but if you can't command the facts, I don't know how you're supposed to be able to make decisions. And the other thing is, right, two days ago when he was talking to George Stephanopoulos, he said he couldn't recall whether anybody had suggested that the withdrawal be delayed. If you can't get your facts right, you can't recall anything, how in the world can you make any, any kind of confident, comparable decisions, right? Yeah, well, Mike, when you lose, when you're a Democrat and you lose George Stephanopoulos, uh, you know things aren't going too well. And since you brought it up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this clip out. And then I want to read a, a blurb from the journal from today. So here's the clip. When you look at what's happened over the last week, was it a failure of intelligence, planning, execution, or judgment? Look, I don't think it was a failure. Look, it was a simple choice, George. When the, when the Taliban... Uh, let me back and put it another way. When you had the government of Afghanistan, the leader of that government, getting a plane and taking off and going into the country. When you saw the significant collapse of the, of the uh, Afghan troops we had trained, up to 300,000 of them, just leaving their equipment and, and taking off. That was, you know, I'm not, this is, is that, that's what happened. That's simply what happened. But we've all seen the pictures. We've seen those hundreds of people packed into a C-17, we've seen 
Afghans falling. That was four days ago, five days ago. What did you think when you first saw those pictures? What I thought was we have to gain control of this. We have to move this more quickly. We have to move in a way in which we can take control of that airport. And we did. So you don't think this could have been handled, this actually could have been handled better in any way? No mistakes? No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look, but the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. So for you, that was always priced into the decision? Yes. <sighs> Yeah, let's put journal today. Officials in Kabul warned of quick collapse. State Department cable in July urged increased evacuations ahead of the Taliban's advance. Internal State Department memo. Um, I'm not going to get into details. I'll put it in the show notes. Signed by like 30 folks or whatever. Um, sent all the way up the chain. Um, it, it, he's just all over the place on this, except for on the phone talking to world leaders or in front of a podium talking to us, because I guess he's back back in Delaware now after being uh, bunkered down in Camp David. So actually today, today we have a one o'clock, President's schedule is calls for a one o'clock in the East Room where he's gonna make remarks about, about Afghanistan. So I'm looking forward to that. No, you know, I, journalist I've talked to this morning don't expect he's going to take any questions. And then at three o'clock, he's getting on a plane and going back to Delaware for the rest of his vacation. Um, I, I'm not sure if anybody in the airport of Kabul is going to get to get on a plane and go to Delaware this weekend for their vacation. But, you know, it, it, it's a little disconcerting that, that, that Bill Clinton's, you know, body guy, George Stephanopoulos, gave him four or five different opportunities during that interview to like say, yeah, we maybe could have done a couple things better. At no point did, did Mr. Biden take any of those opportunities. So nothing went wrong, nothing to see here. I don't know why you're all upset. And by the way, those people fell out of the plane like four or five days ago. What difference does it make now? So it's like, it's, it's like it's, a Hillary Benghazi. Uh, it's exactly, moment, right? it's, it's exactly, it's exactly the point I'm making is, you know, at this point, what difference does it make? Because they're, they, they're dead and we can't do anything about it. And, you know, I, I, that answer bothers me more than any other answer in that whole sequence. It's almost like, you know what, that, that's like yesterday's news. Why, why am I worried about that? And, and that is a little peek in how he's thinking about all of it. He's just going to keep talking about something else and hope the subject gets changed for him. What, ha what is happening, right? It's not happened. What is happening is terrible. It was avoidable. It's terrible. It, contrary to the president's, you know, wow, there's nothing we could do about it, right? It was always going to be messy. Definitely messy and catastrophic, and, yeah. and I, I, I'm not sure which is worse, right? The, the the thing itself, or his incredibly fey attitude towards the thing itself, right? And, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it when if we start taking American casualties, and Americans have already been shot at here, you know, I hope he starts taking this thing more seriously. I was just going to say that um, you you know it it has been made absolutely clear by his surrogates that. They can't do this without their assistance. They have to negotiate with them. And, you know, in between riding the bumper cars and working out at the palace gym, one of these guys or gals is going to have an itchy trigger, trigger finger. Sure. Sure. So, uh, you, know, and I, you know, we were at dinner the other night and uh, 
you know, the, the, one of the ladies who, who I was with said, well, you know, we need a bigger defense budget. I'm like, we, these guys can't do anything with the money we give them. We're already giving them $400 billion a year. And what they're telling us is we can't move or muscle or, or otherwise get guys out of the way to go pick up Americans in Kabul. Basically, we can't do what Uber does every day of the year. So I don't. But we want the government to take over the economy. Uh, we want the government to take over our energy system and the healthcare system too, because we all know they just do a much better job. There was a, a, a friend of mine sent me a comparison of the 700 or so evacuated uh, by the US from Afghanistan uh, in the last few days. This was three days ago, so. And uh, there was another evacuation uh, where on day one, 7,669 allied soldiers were evacuated. By the end of the eighth day, they had 338,000 rescued and lost. They had many casualties, of course, but this was the evacuation at Dunkirk uh, managed by Winston Churchill. And another member of the British government had a couple of comments about what's been going on a couple uh, over the last few days. And I'm going to play that clip for you too. And I wanted to try to shorten it, but I couldn't figure out where. So uh, bear with us, but we're going we're gonna to listen to this whole thing, team. Like many veterans, this last week has been one that has seen me struggle through anger and grief and rage, the feeling of abandonment, not just a country, but the sacrifice that my friends made. I've been to funerals from Poole to Dunblane. I've watched good men go into the earth, taking with them a part of me and a part of all of us. And this week has torn open some of those wounds, left them raw, left us all hurting. And I know it's not just soldiers. I know aid workers and diplomats who feel the same. I know journalists who've been the witnesses to our country in its heroic effort to save people from the most horrific fates. I know that we've all been struggling. And if this recall has done one thing, let me tell you now, Mr. Speaker, it's achieved one thing already. I've spoken to the health secretary. He's already made a commitment to do more for veterans' mental health. Yeah. Yeah. I was never prouder than when I was decorated by the 82nd Airborne after the capture of Musakala. It was a huge privilege, a huge privilege to be recognized by such an extraordinary unit in combat. To see their commander in chief call into question the courage of men I fought with, to claim that they ran. It's shameful. Those who have never fought for the colors they fly should be careful about criticizing those who have. Yeah. Because what we've done in these last few days is we've demonstrated that it's not armies that win wars. Armies can get tactical victories and operational victories that can hold a line. They can just about 
make room for peace, make room for people like us to talk, to compromise, to listen. It's nations that make war. Nations endure, nations mobilize and muster, nations determine and have patience. And here we've demonstrated, sadly, that we, the West, the United Kingdom, does not. Now this is a harsh lesson for all of us. And if we're not careful, it could be a very, very difficult lesson for our allies. But it doesn't need to be. We can set out a vision, clearly articulated, for reinvigorating our European NATO partners to make sure that we are not dependent on a single ally, on the decision of a single leader, but that we can work together with Japan and Australia, with France and Germany, with partners large and small, and make sure that we hold the line together. Yeah. Just whoa. Uh, you know, it, 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 not often, but occasionally, I'm, I'm um, intensely proud that I come from Anglo-Saxon stock. Um, and you know, you get you get a guy like that, and you think to yourself, "Okay, let's lock and load. Let's fix some bayonets. Let's go, let's go kill somebody." Um, you know that it. Um, well, there's much more to it too than that. Well, I mean, he basically said, "Hey, the Americans have become unreliable," which is weird, right? Because I'm pretty confident in the 2020 campaign, we were promised that you know, if you just elect this guy, everything will go back to normal. And you know, I. I myself have never believed that that anybody you know there's no normal anymore but you know britain britain knows the truth there's no making decisions without the united states and the west and um that's the terrifying thing right it's not just that we've yoked the 50 states to this uh to our current tired frail president we have yoked the entire the mass of western civilization to him as well was a uh, veteran of the Afghani wars, uh, as as he re recalled, but his name was uh, Tom Tugendhat. I think I got that right. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to make the attribution there. We will put that speech in the notes as well. Man, I mean, down to it. I mean, he just there was a there was the 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 way that he cut the way that he cut that was just. It was to the bone, man, to the bone. So it, it, you know, let, let, let me, let me, let me, do we have more on this or can we close it? Uh, on, on Afghanistan? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have some more. I'd like to kind of roll through this a little bit. Oh more. yeah. Let's keep know. rolling then. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to know um, what the folks, the, the people who live in the suburbs who needed to vote for anybody, but the orange man, um, so, as you mentioned, they can return to normal feel about the fact that, and this is from the Wall Street Journal, Afghan women are already fading from public view as fear of the Taliban and uncertainty prevail. Dr. Zuhal used to drive herself to work. This week, she started taking a taxi to avoid reprisals from the Taliban, who once banned women from driving. It didn't help. On the second day of the takeover, a gunman dragged the doctor, who didn't want to use her full name, out of the taxi and whipped her for filming the chaos surrounding the evacuations at the Kabul airport through her window. I cried all the way home, she said. 
uh, long, long article, uh, basically just kind of outlines what was done in the past and what they're expecting to happen again. And then I also want to ask those who wanted to return to normalcy, whether they think that this has emboldened, empowered China in their, in their efforts to uh, take over Taiwan. And there's an article, uh, this one's from Reuters. China holds assault drills near Taiwan after quote unquote provocations. <laughs> we're going to, they're going to take Taiwan and we're not going to do a damn thing about it. Well, I hope that's wrong. I um, do too. I'm, um, I'm saying they, they, if they were to, this is, would probably a darn good time to do it. Well, they're, they're, look, they're looking at the same world we're looking at, right? You know, and, and, and the world is this, that, that, you know, we, we have it's anywhere from 10 to 40,000 Americans in Afghanistan. Nobody, nobody can come up with an answer. We have somewhere between one and 4,000 of them in Kabul. Nobody can come up with a specific answer. And we don't seem to be doing any, anything to, to um, preserve and protect them, right? That's a place where we had power fairly recently, right? We had capabilities that you know, the Chinese are thinking about. Taiwan's a long way away from Washington. You know, if they're not going to save their own people in Afghanistan, why would they save anybody else anywhere else? Um, you know, they're, 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 we are all measuring, right? Every new president gets measured. And I, and I wrote this right at the top of the administration. I wrote in a memo to, to everybody that, hey, man, bet yourself you're going to have a, 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 a foreign policy crisis, right? Because people like to test new presidents. We are in the middle of that crisis right now. It's terrible. It's the worst in recent memory. And the Chinese and the Russians, right, who, who have designs, no doubt, on Ukraine um, are trying to figure out, okay, what's he actually going to, what's he going to do? What would he really do? And, you know, what are the Europeans really going to do? You know, you think about NATO, right? The, the, the member of parliament mentioned, mentioned NATO. NATO's complicit here with respect to Taiwan, right? You know, when we when we call for forces, you know, the 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 our friends at NATO send two frigates. Yeah, you know, I don't mean to minimize that, but two frigates—that's what they sent, right? So, you know, it's not like not like they're heroes of the revolution either in this case. And the Chinese, you know, the Chinese communists are looking at all this. So I hope I hope you're wrong. I'm afraid you're right. Yeah, and and this whole idea that um, everything the last guy did was wrong uh, is starting to like ring quite hollow. Uh, we either our adversaries feared President Trump because he they thought he was crazy enough to do something. Yep, or uh, because he's pretty decisive and could could see his resolve and his and his nationalism um either way it worked we didn't have any of this stuff going on the entire four years the entire four years none of the stuff was going on yeah it, it um and now al-qaeda has a safe haven and if you you know as if you our guys are all rolling your eyes saying Okay, Mr. Energy is now all of a sudden a foreign policy expert. Um, I want to play this clip, and you can uh, 
decide for yourself if this person has any credibility on the subject matter. Two missions. One, to go after Al-Qaeda and the leadership of Al-Qaeda and bin Laden because of what they did in attacking our country on 9-11. And we were successful at going after Al-Qaeda, and obviously uh, I'm very proud of the mission to go after bin Laden. But there was a second mission, which was to prevent Afghanistan from ever becoming a safe haven for terrorism again. Unfortunately, we have failed uh, at that mission. Uh, And with the Taliban now controlling Afghanistan, there is no question that they will provide a safe haven for al-Qaeda and for ISIS and for other terrorists to be able to reorganize, uh, strengthen themselves again, and potentially use Afghanistan as a base for attacking uh, not just the United States, but other countries as well. This is a national security threat. Recognize the voice? Yeah, I was trying to place it. Who is it? Panetta. Leon Panetta. Oh, yeah. Not a, not a conservative Republican by any means. What? Are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah, but, you know, he, he wants to make sure that, you know, if something bad happens, he, he can go on record as saying, well, I, I try to warn you all. I, I, I got you, but, you know. I mean, it, um, I, I guarantee you, but let's, let's you and me take a small bet. I bet you he voted for Joe Biden. I'm probably, I probably would guess that. And I bet you nobody in any of the crowd that he was just addressing and boring said, hey, Leon, this would all mean a lot more if you hadn't actually installed this guy. All right. And then I've got one more for you, sir. Um, a quote. To response to a question, I was rereading your memoir before we sat down to talk to you. And you said in your memoir, Joe Biden is impossible not to like. Quote, he's a man of integrity, incapable of hiding what he really thinks. <laughs> One of those rare people you know you could turn to for help in a personal crisis. Still, I think he's been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. Yeah, is that, that's, that's Bob Gates, right? Yes, sir. Bob Gates, former defense secretary for the Obama administration. Yeah, it, it did a little stint with W too, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's all. I mean, it, I. By the way, I think that's all right, except for that part about him being new. There's a lot of, there's a lot of propaganda in there about that. Right. Uh, and and by the way, he, he did touch on the age issue. Um, <laughs> and his quote was. For me, the thought of taking on those responsibilities at this point in my life would be pretty daunting. Gates now. Yeah, that was Gates. So everybody's got their own speed, I suppose. Yeah. I I, you know, I get it. I get it. Uh okay. So um how does this play? How does this impact the stuff going on? Uh, my understanding is that Nancy is still full steam ahead and uh they're pretending that. Nothing, nothing to see here. Don't look over there. Don't look at over there at that shiny object. We got an election, quote unquote, reform bill to pass. We got a reconciliation to pass, and we're going to start next week. So buckle up. Yeah, they're planning on voting on Monday, and I think that's smart on their part. I would too, because the longer this hangs out, the the um, 
the less likely it is that something good happens, right? You, you know, it, the longer you wait, the more likely it is that you're gonna you're gonna wind up with something something really bad happening out there in Afghanistan, and that's gonna really affect everybody's everybody's vibe. So if I was them, I'd do the same thing: vote on the budget resolution, get going on it, pre-conference it to the extent possible, um, you know, and and try to run this thing as fast as you can, because um, events are not your friends right now if you're if you're democratic leadership events are not your friends you are you are um you are at some risk here and, and i'll give you a specific right what happens god forbid if the 82nd goes out into the city and winds up you know we wind up having a redo of mogadishu right um and the administration does nothing i mean they did nothing like they've done nothing so far right um you know, it, it gets harder and harder to vote for these guys if something happens. On top of that, and this is something nobody ever talks about, but I'll talk about it. Some of this could be affected by premature mortality or morbidity, right? You have a bunch of folks in the Senate over the age of 80. Chances of, chances of dying increase pretty significantly once you get past your 80th birthday. I mean, every day your chances of dying go up. Um, you know, you have, a, you have a senator in the wrong place die or get really sick and not be able to vote. This whole thing could crater. So, uh, ironically, um, that's what happened with Obama and and Ted Kennedy. Yeah, healthcare stuff. Yeah. So if you're yeah. you know, if you're if you're leadership, you are thinking, how fast can I get this done? And if you're if you're anybody else, you're thinking, eh, how much can I slow this thing down? And you know, there's there's going to be natural con natural conversations about top line number and about component parts of this thing, right? It's going, even if they get a budget resolution vote next week, which I think is possible, probably likely even, um, you're still, it's still gonna take committees. They want the committees to report back by October 1st. It's gonna take probably the committees another month after that to hash this stuff out. I, I think we're looking at December votes. And once we get to October, right, we're gonna have the debt ceiling ripen up and that's gonna get stirred into the mix. Um, it's Everything is militating against quick passage, but they've got to have quick passage. Yeah, well, the house, have to. the house is going to start the clock, you know, this week, but then they're not scheduled to come back till mid-September. Yeah, uh, I mean, and, Richie, and Rich Neal, the chairman of Ways and Means, is not necessarily in lockstep with Ron Wyden on pay fors. Yeah, um, yeah. So there, there's, there's that whole conversation that needs to take place. All the while, they got us. They got to do this uh, with no Republicans, at least in the in the Senate, and um, they got to hold every member of the of, of the Senate uh, of the fifty. I, I say this, I keep saying this, I'll say it again. Don't know how much leverage the House has really. At the end of the day, anything that the Senate can muster, can cobble together and get fifty, is the only thing that has a possibility of getting to Biden's desk. That's right. That's right, and and that's. You know, it, it like I said, every day that goes on, increased chance that something's going to go wrong, and and I I for the sake think, of the country, I hope that's the case. I think at the end of the day, they're going to get something, and it's going to infrastructure plus reconciliation. The net on it's going to look like two trillion dollars. We're not going we're not going to have any pay fors or nothing meaningful. Um, you know, I, I IRS, we're going after the tax cheats. 
Yeah, that's that's coming out, right? Um, I, I, you know, I pretty much I pretty much been in the same place now on this for for about a month. I'm like, okay, this this is this is how this story ends. The Afghanistan thing was a curveball I didn't see. I think it has to embolden the moderates, you know, because now there's an actual price associated with being attached to the Biden administration. Previously, there was no price attached to it, right? But now you're going to own Afghanistan to the extent you support him here. In the end, keep in mind, the National Defense Authorization Act is up as well. And all those guys are going to have to walk the plank on that. So there's just a lot of lousy votes coming up for, for um, especially House Democrats. We'll see how they go. Yeah, well, I don't wish them luck. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, Governor Gavin. Let's talk about Governor Gavin. Let's do the recall, shall we? Yeah, um, let's do uh, that. But but I want to I want to say I want to close I want to close in Afghanistan with one real quick thought. Yeah. Um, something like this has generational problem generational um, damage. Right. Every everybody that I know who's in, who's serving either in the military and intelligence community or thinking about it, is rethinking their career choices right now. And that's something that nobody talks about. That you know part of the damage part of the knock on damage of Vietnam was. Um, it, it kept talented people from wanting to join the military. Uh, this thing in Afghanistan is going to have a similar effect. We're not going to talk about it. It's not going to be seen, but it's going to be a it's going to be a, a constant thread running through the music. Anyway, sorry, Governor Newsom. No, no, no. I appreciate that, and and I think that um, I agree with you one hundred percent about that. Uh, the fact that the we can we don't. It's just like everything else. If you sh you can't just shovel more money at it. it. The problem is, as you mentioned, and as the PM alluded to, the guys on the ground fighting aren't making these decisions. Yeah. And all these guys, Jake's what what experience does Jake Sullivan have? Honest to God, to be a national security advisor. What are you talking he about? Went to college. He looks like a stone cold killer. So. Um, he looked, truthfully, he looks no less ridiculous than Bob O'Brien, who was our who was our national security advisor, right? I mean, you know, same same kind of guy. Went to college, had a lot of great resume experience. You know, a lot of good product in his hair. Always looked pretty and said the right thing. But you know, what is it? What is it that um, uh, guy Jay Z, right? What is it? Jay Z says, "Wouldn't bust a grape in a fruit fight." All right, let's talk, let's talk, Governor Gavin. Um, Again, speaking of, speaking, speaking of a guy who wouldn't bust a grape on a fruit press. <laughs> uh, let me start with the survey. This is from 538, published the 18th, two days ago. Yeah. The latest polling has um, keep Gavin at 48.8, remove Gavin at 47.6 uh, for a plus <laughs> 1.2 in a your pollster in in a survey between this is the 20th of august the election the the question is the 13th of september 14th of september yeah. what does this poll say yeah i mean when you take them all together when you take all the surveys together you you have a you have a um among likely voters you have a slight lean towards towards the governor right like slight like a point maybe two um, you throw the, you throw the enthusiasm in there, it probably gets erased. This thing's been a jump ball for a long time. 
Um, his efforts to make it look like a Republican recall are shot to pieces by the fact that he's got guys running against him in the Democratic side. Um, it, yeah, right it, now the 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 influencer, the the young inf influencer, is even eking ahead of uh, Larry Elder, and of course the 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 cries of of sexual harassment or other types of things are starting to pop out there as well for on 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 Elder. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it you know, um, it, that that I'm not sure that's what they should be doing, because I don't think anybody's showing up to vote for Larry Elder. Right. I mean, you know, people are showing up to vote against Gavin Newsom. What they should be doing is explaining why that's a bad idea. I saw the hits. I've seen the hit jobs on Larry. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Um, but it's not going to save you. It's just going to migrate the vote some other place, right? Um, you know, I think I said this right when asked about when asked whether the president was coming to help. Um, the Newsom spokesman said, "Yeah, a couple of weeks. Sometime in the next few weeks, we'll have him out here." I'm like, Did, "You literally, guys, everyone who's going to vote in this thing is going to have voted in this thing sometime in the next 24 days." Um, yeah. That, that, so sometime in the next few weeks, I'm like, "Show's over by that point." Yeah. It, but they, the, the vice president's coming to to save him, so oh, yeah. don't worry. What a what a you know what a colossal waste of time that is, right? right? VP Harris is on the schedule. POTUS to be determined. You know, it, if I was the vice president, I would be very careful about this because if you go out there and he it's going to sink her with him, right? It's going to you know yeah. just going to be another rocket and tossed on your yeah. boat. Yeah. So um, all of these surveys, the, this the aggregates on five thirty eight. All of them have uh, plus uh, the keep uh, is virtually a tie, but the combination of all these, they the the keep the remove folks closed a ten point gap from July fourteenth to <laughs> August. Um, I mean, they're obviously they're obviously they're obviously you know everyone's starting everyone's starting to think hard about it. Like, okay, what do I actually yeah. what do I actually want to do here? I think Gavin's losing it a little bit. He's not just not just the recall. No, no, no. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. He seems he seems a bit a bit. Um, I want I want to do the. Um, I think he was doing an op an Ed board Zoom or a, a conference call, but I want to play this. I'm nice if our homegrown team start focusing on what's right. Everybody outside this state is bitching about this state. Governor, California has the nation's highest housing costs, highest gasoline prices and highest utilities. Wage growth has been spectacular in the Silicon Valley, but not so much for areas along the coast and in some inland areas. In a very real sense, the California dream is more like a mirage, people grinding it out day after day. How do you make the case that you, as governor, can deliver the California dream to all Californians? Well, let's talk about what we all saw number one is, Stephanie. And guys, forgive me, I, I know I'm a little, Pointed today, but I've been taking a lot from you folks for a lot of months. So it's nice to be able to express myself too. But I do it with deep pride in this state as a Californian, not as a, I'm a future ex governor. It could happen in a few weeks, could happen in a few years. I love this damn state. We're number one in job creation, 10 poly American, 559,000 jobs. Beat your heart out of Texas, Florida. We're number one in the Bloomberg Index of innovation, not entrepreneurialism. 
we dominated again in venture capital. And that's not just for fancy folks in Silicon Valley. That's pushing out the boundary of discovery and opportunity, innovation that advantages each and every one of us. 53% nation's venture capital. Over 100 damn IPOs year to date in this state. 80 plus billion dollar budget surplus. 80 plus billion, not that 76 billion. We had another $3.9 billion in new cash. We had better health outcomes in Florida and Texas and better economic outcomes. Our economy contracted at a more modest rate than Florida and Texas. You know, Stephanie, that middle-class families in Texas pay more taxes than middle-class Californians. Look that up. That's a fact. That's actually not a fact. I don't know why that doesn't get more damn attention because I care about working folks. That's a fact. <laughs> it's a fact. That's probably not a fact either. Uh, he's okay. I'm I'm putting this in the notes too because for some reason he agreed to film this and he's just yeah. It, I don't it, know if he had a couple martinis at lunch, thinking, "Oh, I'm just gonna bang this out. This will be easy." But he's he's yeah. yeah. <laughs> it it um it is this little recall is wearing on him right now. He's like, yeah. "I can't believe this. I'm Gavin. What?" What, what could, how could this possibly be happening to me? <laughs> he does have kind of that flavor to him, right? Like, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I think everybody knows who you are. That's part of the problem, Gavin, friend. Uh, it, 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 by the way, a fact checker did, did look at the, um, did look at the, the claim that Texans pay more and Floridians pay more. Totally inaccurate. Totally inaccurate. Yeah, he's fixated on California and uh, I'm sorry, Florida and Texas as well. So he should be right. He's getting compared to he's getting compared to the other two large states. I mean, it, the only the only other state you can compare California to is New York State, and I'm sure he doesn't want to be compared to Governor Cuomo just yet. Right. Well, is this the is this the episode we make the prediction, or should we wait another week? You might as well go ahead and pull the trigger. All right. What are you? What are you gonna? What are you gonna? What are your? What's your over under? You know, my rule of thumb in campaigns is is that is that it's the side that has the momentum coming in that wins, right? If it's close, it's pretty it's pretty rare because usually polling is about two or three days behind the population. So if you see a surge, you you, you know if, if it's big enough, if if you think another two points is big enough to win, that's the surge you're going to get in the last two days. I, I think he's going to lose. I think the recall is going to going to wind up being a yes. All right, uh, but but you know what? Ask me again next week. I could come back and say no. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say that um, he's going to get recalled. I'm going to say it's going to be close, but not as close as people thought it would be. And I'm going with Elder by a hair. That's where I am right now. Yeah, I'm not. Sure, I'm. I'm not sure which of these guys. I'm not sure which of these guys wins. I, I need to spend more time with the numbers on that. But I. I, I get your point. You know, if, if if they have it today, probably Elder. But I don't know what the next two weeks of attacks are going to do to him. What next? COVID. Oh no. Boosters. Go ahead. We need boosters. We need boosters because because we screwed up we screwed up the withdrawal from Afghanistan. You guys need boosters. Yeah, uh, and I hastily 
um, assembled press conference, the White House announced that we're all going to get boosters in September, except for uh, except for the J and J folks. They haven't uh, made any decisions about them yet. The interesting thing and ironic thing, of course, is and 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 I credit Phil Kirpin for this. And again, I don't want to talk about this anymore. But they just keep they just keep going with it relentlessly. The FDA hasn't even reviewed this yet. So the politicals made this decision and made a little little asterisk next to it saying, we'll have to see what happens with the FDA review. Yeah. Um, I, I'm assuming I'm going to, I'm going through what everyone else is going through. I'm like, look, you know, the vaccine was supposed to be enough and the lockdowns were supposed to be enough and the masks were supposed to be enough. And now what we find is, is that the masks, you know, we have a lot of data that indicates the masks are of limited efficacy. The lockdown was of course, totally unnecessary. The lockdowns were totally unnecessary and damaging, right? They didn't actually save any lives. If anything, they cost lives. And now we have a real world acknowledgement that the vaccines are, um, some value but of relatively limited value and for some reason we're going to take a booster now that is going to be of greater value i guess of greater utility of greater efficacy I, i'm not saying it's not i'm sure it is um here's my question and you know I've, like i said this before i'm not a covid warrior um, but as the data is coming in everything these guys are recommended has turned out not to work um, uh, I'll just add a, I'll add a data point to that. They just said that the plastic, the <laughs> uh, plexiglass over yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the cashiers and yeah, everywhere was totally useless. It, not only useless, but potentially right more so, harmful, <laughs> more worse than better. Right. right. So my question is this: At what point do people say, "You know what? I'm not doing that. I'm not doing any more masks." We had this conversation last week. I'm not doing any more masks. I'm not playing your stupid game anymore. Um, I have to believe that with each new demand on the population for no for no purpose, that um, that resistance to the the um, ridiculousness is going to grow. Right? People are going to be like, I don't understand why I'm doing this. If these things are so great, why don't I have final authorization on it, final approval? If these things are so great, why do I have to have a booster? You guys told me two shots would be enough. You guys told me this. You guys told me that. I mean, I get it. This is but change. in science, in science changes. Well, and I get that too. I'm comfortable with the idea that you learn things. Here's the part that I'm not comfortable with. I'm not comfortable with nobody ever looks back and says, did what we suggest we do a year ago, did it work or was it harmful? You know what? You know what would help my you know would help my confidence in the public health community enormously, is if they got up, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Walensky, whoever got up and said, you know what, we were wrong about lockdowns. We made a mistake. We made a mistake. Those are not actually efficacious. Um, it, in fact, if they said anything that they suggested over the last fifteen months was not efficacious, I would view that as a sign of okay, you guys are interested in reestablishing your credibility. Um, but until that happens, I have no idea why I should get a booster, why I should wear a mask, or why I should go into lockdown. And, you know, I'm not one of these freedom, freedom, freedom people, but I am like, 
you guys are not gods. You need to explain to me why I need to do this when your own track record in the last year and a half has been wreckage and failure and wrongness. The only thing that's worked is the vaccines and even they haven't worked like you said they would. So, um, you know, you- Yeah, I wanna- uh, to you know, The burden is, I guess what I'm saying is the burden is not on me here. The burden's on them to explain themselves. Meanwhile, two little back-to-backs in the um, summary on the, in the Wall Street Journal today again. Pfizer and Moderna are on track to notch billions more in sales than previously expected. <laughs> Shocker. J&J's Gorski will step aside as CEO, handing the reins to longtime Lieutenant Duato, effective January, effective January 3rd. So, um, boosters. Boosters. Uh, it would not be a COVID section without a quick clip from our, our esteemed CDC director. Today, and what the president said was an attempt to stay ahead of the coronavirus. My administration has been planning for this possibility in this scenario for months. We purchased enough vaccine and vaccine supplies so that when your eight-month mark comes up, you'll be ready to get your vaccination free. This booster strategy comes from data which shows that the vaccines are losing efficacy over time. The current strong protection against severe infection, hospitalization, and death could decrease in the months ahead, especially among those who are at higher risk or who were vaccinated earlier during the phases of our vaccination rollout. The case for boosters is building. Three studies published by the CDC today show that the effectiveness of vaccines against infection declined when the Delta variant began circulating. One study examined the records of more than 10 million New Yorkers and found that vaccine effectiveness against infection in May was 92%, but then it dropped to 80% months later. Yet at the same time, protection against hospitalization continued. Dr. Fauci, if the vaccines are diminishing over time, how many boosters do you think people are going to need? I would doubt if we're going to need many boosters when we try to find out the breadth and the depth of the response by a booster. It is really extraordinary. It goes up by multiple fold, at least 20 to 30 fold. So we don't anticipate that beyond this, we're gonna need anything else. You believe that one? Yes. <laughs> I would expect that we won't need any more of these. Uh, two, weeks to, two weeks to stop the spread. It started with two weeks to stop the spread. It, it um, <laughs> like I said, you know, e either either these vaccines are efficacious or they're not. Um, we were told they were. Now we're told they may be. Now in a couple of days, we're going to be told they're not. And we need boosters. And we're going to be told those boosters are efficacious, but we're not going to be, you know, guaranteed for how long. If, if this were any other field of human endeavor, we would have a very serious autopsy about whether outside of the vaccines, which I have no dispute um, that, that um, the vaccines have saved lives. Um, I haven't seen any data that indicates anything else, right? Um, but we also know that they're not as effective as they we originally thought and that they have a shelf life and that they've never been given final approval. And now you want us to have more, a booster, a booster, great, a booster that doesn't have any final approval either. And what are we, what's going to happen eight months down the road, right? Is this going to be a reach for everybody who's got themselves in a little political jam? Like, I'm going to keep talking about COVID. 
Um, it, you think it, you're asking as if it's a forward um, leaning question. This is hap This is that's what exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what, what I mean is what I mean is 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 this now going to be what happens every time somebody gets in a jam? Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, hey, hey, I'm in a political jam, so you guys are going to need booster shots, and 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 it it um, it's 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 like I said, I'm not a warrior here. I believe in vaccines. I believe in efficacy. Um, what I don't believe in is in the efficacy of lockdowns because I've got data on that now. I don't believe in the efficacy of masks because I got data on that now. I don't believe in the efficacy of plastic partitions because I got data on that now. I don't believe in the efficacy of washing your hands because I got data on that now. Um, and the introduction of a booster into the, into the situation now makes me wonder about our data on the efficacy of vaccines. And that's the, the and you had just hit the nail right on the head because yeah. the more they push something, it seems the more they're trying to yeah. pace about the stuff that they're trying to push. Yeah. And the mask thing is a perfect example, in my opinion. And, and, and I don't agree. Uh, a dear friend of mine and I don't agree on a lot of things, but we both agreed that both that the, this issue has become politicized across the board. Yeah. Even the ones who are loyal followers of, of Prince Fauci admit that the the political politicization of this um so it's not great here and and i actually actually want to ask you this question because what do we have to just defy the mandate like if i go into giant around the corner without a mask yeah i i i you know i mean what here's my just here's, play it do i play it out do 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 enough people play it out because no one's playing it out here i mean look i went to a concert the other day they said oh you need proof of vaccine or you need to test right so they had the first wave going in was the the check the vac check vac yeah. check the lady was like you gotta you gotta uh, proof of da 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 and he was like oh that looks good enough and then waved my wife through because well you look trustworthy yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then as soon as you walked inside there, it was like any other concert I've ever been to. Sure. You look, I, I see that's the thing about it. The great okay, so here's the great thing about America is that you know we're 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 we will we will give everybody the nod. We're like, sure, yeah, absolutely. We're a, we'll wear a mask. And then, you know, you, you never do it, right? But and, and you know, you guys, you know, everyone's going to pretend to enforce it. We're going to pretend to follow it, but in practicality, it's nobody's going to enforce any of it. Except because, for the, except for except for the kids, man. Except for the kids, that's because it's the one field of human endeavor that the government completely controls, right? Yeah. E education. It 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 it's it's the last terrible gasp of the of the government unions, right? They're going to. They're going to make the kids wear masks as a political statement until the kids just stop going to school altogether. Okay, this one from the Boston Herald. Martha, Martha's Vineyard sees COVID surge, but <laughs> oh, Obama yeah. party not a cluster yet. <laughs> you heard about Obama's big bash, right? No, tell me about oh, it. Oh, he had a 60th birthday bash on his 30-acre Edgartown spread off Great Pond. Um, 
course, he followed all of the COVID protocols that there were in place, including requirements and social distancing, yada, yada, yada. Of course, he was caught dancing a jig on the dance floor without a mask. Um, he can have a party. I don't care. Um, but the more we talk about his house on Martha's Vineyard, especially as it pertains to the existential threat to humanity, the happier I am, bottom line. But there was a literally a cluster, a, a, there was a, uh, let me read the, the actual numbers. Health agents on the island have reported 54 new cases since Sunday, August 8th, with 10 reported on Tuesday, 13, and on Wednesday, and now 18 new cases on Thursday. The 54 cases reported over the past five days came after the case levels reached near zero at the beginning of summer. So, so, so they're not quite calling his party a super spreader, but there isn't. But it's a super spreader. But there's a um, slight uptick in uh, COVID cases in Martha's yeah. Vineyard, coincidentally. Visit. Yeah, it, you know, it, it. the good news is, is it's probably the end of, um, probably the end of everybody looking at Biden, at Biden, looking at, at Obama like he's some kind of hero of the revolution, right? I mean, is this, this whole thing has a certain... Well, the French call it end of the century feel, end of end of the cycle, fin de cycle, right? Yeah. And, and that it has that feeling, right? Like we're we're he's you know he's he's Louis he's Louis the Fourteenth, right? After him, Epromele de Luge, right? That 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 kind of stuff's out. Yeah. It, especially for Democrats, right? Yeah. Yeah. The. Uh... Uh, some people were calling it the Mar Marie Antoinette moment as well, but the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but the need brioche is the specific phrase. Um, pretty powerful guest list too. So lots of lots of stars, star-studded guest list. I don't know why we weren't invited. I was going to say I didn't make it. Kind of annoyed about that, but I'd rather go hang out in, on John Kerry at John Kerry's compound. I think that John was there. John was there. So John was there. Climate Island, Climate Island was there partying, partying just three feet above sea level. <laughs> well, soon to be two. Uh, yeah. Well, so I, so I actually wrote, I wrote about this in my monthly memo, and it, it turns out, depending on who you believe, that that compound's either three or ten, three, somewhere between three and ten feet above sea level. Um, and basically, it's right beside some great big giant pond. And once the once the sea breaks the pond through, you know, breaks the breaks open, you know, breaches the pond then the Obama guys will be underwater pretty quick. I have, obviously I'm fairly skeptical about that, but it's a fun story. And so I, I read through it, so. All right, well, things are bad here. Obviously we're back, uh, back to hysteria, uh, mandatory lockdowns, uh, but they're not quite as bad as they are in New Zealand. Stay local and do not congregate. Don't talk to your neighbors. Please keep to your bubbles. It comes down again to those very simple principles. We know from overseas uh, cases of the Delta variant that it can be spread by people simply walking past one another. So keep those movements outside to the bare minimum, wear a mask and make sure you keep up that physical distancing. Pass, stay local and do not congregate. Don't talk to your neighbors. Don't talk to your neighbors. <laughs> okay. It, it. Um, they had a single case. Yeah, New Zealand's a horrible place. I mean, look, you know, it, 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 obviously this lady who runs it is, is a, is got some issues about control. Um, so, you know, and she's got that terrible accent. That, <laughs> she's that, the same she's ah. the lady who 
who uh, yeah. remember the clip we played a couple episodes oh, ago? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand why you can't talk to your neighbors. You mean like you can't go out in the backyard and talk to them? Like, why not? What are you going to, is this thing, is this thing transmitted with words? Stay in your bubble. Just stay in your bubble. Um, it, 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 don't talk to your neighbors. Don't talk to your neighbors. It, it's pretty bad. Okay, I'm COVIDed out. You got any okay. more on this? I'm always COVIDed out. I know. I, I'm, I, like I said, we're going to have to bring Phil back again because there's all this new stuff that he's going to have to, Phil Kirpin, that is our, our resident COVID expert um, and also Mets fan, poor guy. Um, Yankee. Uh, no, wait, wait, wait. I just want to point out the Yankees are now uh, Yankee. nine, nine games ahead, eight games ahead of the Mets, which is the important metric, right? It doesn't matter they win the American League. It matters they beat the Mets. And uh, the Yankees are, are uh, surging, just like the COVID cases are surging. Yeah. I mean, you know, playing 700 ball since the middle of the season, right? Since the midpoint of the season, we're at 41-41, and now we're at 70-52, right? So we've run 29-11. That's a little bit better than 700 ball. Um, it... It, um, it's all a consequence of two things, I believe, right? One is um, they picked up Rizzo and Gallo, two really good left-handed bats at the break, which means at the trade deadline, which means that lineup's now really difficult to pitch against because you have a righty-lefty combo all the way to the end. But other thing, and you know, this winning streak, this winning, you know, 700 balls actually started before they got those two. It's partially scheduled, right? We've had a fairly, you know, we had about 10, 12 games in there that were, you know, easy. I think the bigger, the, the, a, a, an equally large part has been that Aaron Boone has finally figured out how to manage um, human beings, right? Not machines. Um, you know, he has a, he, he has been making a lot of good moves lately that are not at all called for by the data, right? And I'll, I'll give you two specific examples, right? Last night he replaced, I think it was last night. Yeah, last night he replaced, night before, night before, he replaced Chapman who's his closer in the ninth inning. He just brought in, I think, Chad Green or somebody, um, right? Book says keep Chapman in and have him work out his problems. But Boone saw something and said, nope, we're going to bring somebody else in, right? And that's something that, that a managing by data guy doesn't do. And he's done it four or five times. He's also, we're stealing bases. Oh, we're yeah. Bun we're bunting. Yeah, they're playing, they're playing small ball when they need to. They're yeah. moving, they're, they're, you know, bring them around. You know, keep the train moving, right? That's the whole thing. You just got to do what you got to do to get a guy, to get a guy over, and they're doing it, and they're they're mixing it up. They played the first half of the season. They played like the professional, yeah, they high salaried business, yeah. like they were they were wearing business suits, right? You yeah, get, you get Rugi Odor in the in the mix. You combine it with Rizzo. I mean, yeah, I was going to say know, that we needed it. When's the last time we had a good Italian in the lineup? You know, the, the thing, the thing about Rizzo that makes him, it's not just that he's a professional hitter, right? And he's a good guy. It, it's that he, he, he brings a certain amount of swagger to the team, right? Like, Hey, we're not going to lose. You know, we're the Yankees. We're not going to lose right now. The only team in the league that they can beat us is the Dodgers. I, I guarantee you everybody else in the American league is looking at the Yankees thinking, I don't know who else I want to play but I know I do not want to play those guys in the playoffs. Um, you know, we, we should have wiped out the, the, the White Sox in three games, right? We gave up that, gave up 
Zach Britton gave up the home run to, to lose that stupid game in Iowa. Okay, let's um, not. Let's not. Uh, okay. Stupid, uh, pointless, and bad luck game. Loved that um, game. Thought it was um, awesome. Yeah, great. Didn't like the outcome. Awesome. Didn't like the outcome, but okay. I enjoyed the heck out. You of know, it. this is what this is what's wrong with Yankee fans. Oh, I love that game, but I didn't like the outcome. The uh, outcome is the only reason to play the game. Yeah, I understand, but there's 162 games. You, you could sound like a member. About you sound, eight or nine of the. You sound like things. a member. You sound like you a could have said the same thing about three or four of the games that Boone blew before. I did say it. Oh, Look, you sound you sound like a Biden, a member of the Biden administration. No. Like, oh, you know, it's really the game was really good even though the outcome sucked. No, the outcome of the outcome of the game is the purpose of playing the game. You play to bother for, to okay. borrow from my but friend even, Edwards. You play to win. Yeah, of no, course play you play to win. win. They did play to win. They played the to win. Save. They blew the save just like they've blown okay, seven, so eight, you nine lose the game. If you what, lose the game, that means the game right was now, a failure. Statistically, where would they be right now if they 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 won? Even last night they won. They won seven straight. They're now squarely atop of the wild card by one game only. Yeah. They're crushing it, but they even made me nervous last night. I turned it off. It was six to one, or whatever, and and they ended up. Those yeah. the other guys clawed back and end up being like seven five or something like that. Yeah, okay. Like so, these late inning games, they're losing. It had nothing to do with the, the corn. Well, it did have to do with the corn. Corn's bad luck. Never playing a cornfielder for you, the Yankees. That's it. Full stop. Speaking <laughs> um, of corn, <laughs> um, it it it. I mean, the problem is that they they you know they're they're committed to Zach Britton, right? They just they cannot they cannot not use him because he's you know they paid him a lot of money. But if you look back at at every problem they've had in the last twenty games, it goes back to him, right? Um, and and previously, you know, it was spread around like everybody was taking a chance, blowing it. The other thing I don't get is, and this is going to be something I'm looking for, the guy who's actually hasn't blown any saves. Well, he's blown one save, but the guy who's really been like money out of the bullpen is Wandy Peralta. Oh, he's been he's yeah uh, he's, he's been awesome. Yeah, he's been money. And for some reason, they hesitate to use him. They don't want him to go. They don't want him to go through the lineup. Uh, oh, I get it. But I mean, they plug in Britain instead of bringing in Wandy. You know, last night he got his five outs. We'll see. I mean, I, like I said, it, it, you you know who else is crushing it right now? Jonathan Loisica. Yeah. I mean, and it, guess what? The Giants released him when he first came up. This kid. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, they just waved them off right like you just you never know you never you, you got to give these guys a chance and they wrote off max scherzer when he first came out so yeah it, it, it like i said right now the only team in the league that could beat us in a three four game series would be the dodgers um and i'm not even sure about that like i said american league is looking at the yankees thinking here they come and keep in mind the rays lost their the rays lost their ace they play it they start a series in in um chicago tonight um i would not be surprised to see the rays lose two of those three you know it, it, it we're not we're not we're not on the Rays yet but if we get inside of three games i think if you're the Rays, you got to start worrying about us well so, i i want to uh, they've got a couple of i think they got two coming up here with but hopefully they can mow through the twins like they usually do yeah um we've got um cortez jr on the bump Tonight, right. tonight and then Cole on Saturday. Yep. Um, but then they got a, a series with the Braves, and the Braves are surging as well. So well, that should be one like 
It's just two games. Twelve in a row or something. Yeah, it's just two games with the, just two games two games with the Braves. Yeah, we'll but that should happens. be a fun series. A little uh, another potential. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. And it's in Atlanta, so I'm you know it's especially especially good. Well, it's one of the stadiums I have left on my list. So Let's go. Pop down for the afternoon. Yeah, sure. You can record the podcast at the stadium. I think everybody would love that, except everyone who listens. <laughs> uh, All right, what uh, do we got left? Um, well, I got my closer clip, but um, I'll wait for you if you've got anything. No, I'm, I'm, let's do the close. All right. Um, since we haven't talked about much about energy, I thought I would give uh, give us a, a non-response response from Circleback. Since we haven't heard from her, she's been on vacation, as you know. So here it is. Domestic data the US would consider to do to incentivize increased production here. Well, I would also note that um, that uh, our NEC director, I should say, sent a letter to the FTC as well, encouraging them to consider looking at available tools to monitor the US gasoline market. As you know, what we've seen, this isn't the first time this has happened, but even as oil prices go down, gas prices take a longer time to come down. Now, gas prices are still. Uh, aligned with where they were back in 2018. But we know this is going to be, a, and they often go up in the summer. We've seen that trend over and over again. But this is a long-term issue, and we want to send the clear message that we are going to take steps, uh, whether they are using the bully pulpit or otherwise, to make sure we are uh, going after anti-competitive behavior. But that is a different question than increasing production. You're asking about the increase production. Is there anything the U.S. U.S. producers can do to increase production, or the U.S. administration can, would, would consider doing to make U.S. more U.S. oil. Well, that, that wasn't an ask we made. I, the point I, we've made in these uh, these communications is that uh, we do have the supply. We're not making a supply question here, or we're not posing a supply question domestically. Obviously, OPEC has its own unique role on the global marketplace. <laughs> I love when I love when they like talk about an issue that they have no, no yeah. idea what they're she, yeah. she, okay the ftc thing the same it's like mcnally did a tweet about it and i wrote to him like i, I think i tweeted in the aerosmith song like same old song and dance like every time the democrats are nervous about gas prices they send a letter to the ftc and why does why aren't these gas prices going down faster than the price of oil because they never heard of what of replacement costs, I guess. And then she couldn't like she sounded like, do you remember that? I'm gonna put in the show notes. Do you remember that Miss South Carolina? Yes. <laughs> Everywhere like such as the Iraqs. Just a, just, a, just just a word salad. Yes. She sounded I do like Miss South Carolina. I'm gonna find that clip. It, it, <laughs> it's just they asked somebody asked me yesterday about this. I'm like, you know, the thing is, none of these. There's nobody who knows anything about energy or the markets in this administration. I mean, you think about the Secretary of Energy; she sure doesn't, and you know, nobody else really does either. They're all busy, like you know, trying to trying to set up solar panels and, and wind farms. They don't. There's literally nobody on premises who understands the oil and gas business. So you get answers like that. You know, well, blah 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 blah. OPEC, okay. All right, so that was that was supposed to be the clip of the day, but I'm gonna actually play this one. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll wind out with this one. Okay. 
Recent polls have shown a fifth of Americans can't locate the U.S. on a world map. Why do you think this is? I personally believe that U.S. Americans are unable to do so because uh, some people out there in our nation don't have maps. And uh, I believe that our ed education, like such as South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere like such as, and I believe that they should, uh, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. or, or should help South Africa and should help the Iraq and the Asian countries. So we will be able to build up our future for our Thank you very much. So. <laughs> thank, you. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> All okay. right. I'm not sure which question, which answer was more confusing. Circle back <laughs> or Miss Teen USA 2007. Hey, but I'll leave it for our viewers to decide. <laughs> All right. Peace. Bye, everybody. I'll, I'll steal Mike's line and say, no mistake. <laughs>